Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. My guest today is, no exaggeration, one of the greatest of all time. It's one half of the Rock and Roll Express, Hall of Famer Ricky Morton. Ricky is the first one to tell you he's 66 years old now. He's still wrestling, wrapping up his legendary tag team with Robert Gibson and also wrestling with and mentoring his son, Kerry Morton. Kerry Morton has a match coming up at the NWA Hard Times pay-per-view in New Orleans on November 12th against Homicide, and Ricky will also be in action on the tapings the next day. If you grew up in the 1980s and watched Jim Crockett promotions or even Mid-South or World Class back then, you have an idea of just how popular Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, were. It was an honor to have Ricky on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations, so here we go with my interview with the legendary Ricky Morton. I'm honored to have with me today, no exaggeration, one of the absolute greatest pro wrestlers ever, and he's still active from the Rock and Roll Express, none other than Hall of Famer Ricky Morton. Ricky, welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, oh, man, appreciate it. I'm, it's an honor for me to be on your show, man. Thank you very much. So we'll start with what you're up to nowadays. You're still out there in the ring. NWA has uh, some some cards coming up. Uh, Hard Times pay-per-view in November in New Orleans. Your son is now active. What is it like for you getting in the ring nowadays and also seeing your son's progress in the ring? Well, you know, I'm a second-generation wrestler, too, my dad. You know, he was a wrestler, but he refereed in Memphis. And uh, you see, I got – it seemed like to me I had a – a big head start on everybody because growing up in the wrestling business, being around the wrestling business, my, my dad took his time to make me understand the business. And to me, even right now, buddy, and I'm not kidding yet, a lot of problems with our business is that most people don't understand it. Uh, being in a ring with my son, it's a dream come true. I mean, any dad would love to be around there. You know, it's especially wrestling together in an organization like NWA, you know, NWA is my home. I, uh, I gotta say it's, I'm, I'm blessed just to be a part of it, it at 66 years old. Yeah. And I'm still out there. I'm active, you know, I'm not here. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Uh, but my dad told me a long time ago, if you sit down, you're never going to get up. And after all these years of wrestling, uh, but you know, it takes a toll on your body, but, if you keep your body in shape good enough to keep doing this, I think you can last a lot longer and I still have fun. I saw you live. I'm, I'm based out of Poughkeepsie, New York. I saw you in uh, Northeast Wrestling for Poughkeepsie, New York in August of last year. I think it was in a four-way tag team match with you and Robert Gibson with three of the teams, Club Cam and Zane Lee Root and the Amazing Graysons. You're doing topes. You're doing a Canadian destroyer. Where <laughs> yes. is the fountain of youth that you're drinking from? Because it was so awesome wow. to see you doing your thing live. Thank you, man. That, that's a great compliment. You know, and 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 you're somebody that enjoys it. Yeah, you see, it's not the part about uh, I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. And, and, and I'll tell you the truth. I, uh, Robert and I, you know, we had never been on a contract like some of these guys are. You know, And I'm trying to tell you, these some of these guys make more in six months than I made in 40 years in a business. Uh, but it's other than that. I, I still enjoy what I do. I still love it. Looking forward to... Uh, catching this adventure with my son and thank you bud can you describe what it was like for you meeting and then getting to know 
Robert Gibson. There are a few people in any type of relationship anywhere for the length of time that you were associated, that you are associated with Robert Gibson. Well, <laughs> you know, we started something a long time ago and, uh, and I'm not here trying to put somebody else down. Or do, I'm not just, I'm trying to tell you the true facts. Uh, over this 40 years, it's been a long haul. We had some great times, good times, but you got to put them together. Uh, along this journey, a lot of people try to pull us apart. Uh, matter of fact, I turned down a lot of good things because I started this with Robert and I'm going to finish this with Robert. A long time ago, my dad told me, he says, Ricky, tag team wrestling. It's going to be a big deal one day and you need to be the first one. And, and before Robert, I was partners with Sonny King, uh, Eddie Gilbert. And then uh, the guy that taught me and, and I tell people this right here, you know, I have people ask me, Ricky Morton, uh, you and Ricky Steamboat are two of the greatest baby faces ever in this business. And I tell them, I said, no, you need to go back and watch Ken Lucas. He wow. was one of the greatest baby faces, and he taught me all this. What was you going to say? No, I was just – I was surprised by that. Just And um, I was going to ask you about uh, actually almost that exact question about the baby face uh, work before because I remember hearing a media interview Ric Flair did recently when he referred to you. I think it was Steamboat, and it was Shawn Michaels as the three best that he – had personally, you know, been around, but yeah, you, you really set the standard with Robert for really what the, you know, kind of what the example was for tag team wrestling for an entire generation. And, and I, yes. I, I hope people realize that, <laughs> but, uh, well, well, thank you, buddy. And this is what I'm trying to do right now too. And, uh, understand me. I, I know that the end of my rope is coming, but I want to get wrestling business and I want to put it back the way it used to be. I want to make tag team wrestling back towards the main events. Uh, it's, it's still out there. You know, nowadays you have these, but the tag team wrestling is still out there. We just got to recreate it and make it uh, better than what it is. And there's no place better, I think, than the NWA to do this at. Uh, it's just my opinion. I, I, I'm wanting to do a lot of things. Uh, you know, tag team, you know, it's still all these single matches. I mean, you, you still have some great workers, but people just, they they don't know how to do it and uh, to make it it. And it's been so long, the single matches, the single matches, the single matches, but it's time to put these tag teams back on the face of wrestling again. And with, with your partnership specifically with Robert, um, it, was it right from the get go? Did you guys hit it off right immediately when you met? Did you, did you know him prior to, being paired up with him in the Rock and Roll Express. Oh yeah, but he sure did. Robert, you know, Robert was tag team partners with his brother Ricky, right? Uh, Ricky Gibson. Ricky Gibson was a, a real good wrestler at the time. But you, you, you see, uh, getting out in this world in in professional wrestling, you you have to understand it. You have to make a move, and you got to make it when you think it's right. Robert and I, uh, I knew Robert before, you know. Uh, we became the Rock and Roll Express. You know, we wrestled smaller territories together, such were Nick Goulas and, and and down in Florida. Uh, no, I was friends with Robert. But you know, when you when two guys can click together, you know, because it's a lot of things in our matches uh, these days that people really don't understand. 
we don't have to go over and I don't have to tell him in the back, let's do this, we do that. We already knew. You know, he knew well when I started to do something where it was going to, and vice versa the same way. And that's what made us a great tag team. Yeah, and leads to the longevity that you guys had because, you know, even watching you guys in the last decade, I know some people you know might be surprised to see you guys at the ages you are now going out there, but <laughs> still performing, still entertaining, and still weaving in things that are modern wrestling into a kind of an old school style, kind of hitting the best of both worlds when you're hitting it. So, yes, uh, but it, it is still out there. I mean, it, to me, uh, See, there's no old school. There's no new school. It's mm -hmm. just called the right daggum way. And <laughs> that's the way it's, it should be. If uh, some of these guys will slow down and, and just listen to me, how to tell, you know, it, it's a work of art how you paint a picture when you step into the ring to tell the story that where you're going from. But if you could tell that in the ring, it's a lot better. In, and then trying to go over it in the back and trying to uh, put the ideas that that you don't know where this match is going to, but when you have great workers in there, gosh, man, you can just tell that story right on out to the end. And I had work of art written on my notes. That's even better. It's a good transition. Sometime in the early two thousands, yeah, I, I grew up watching. I was watching you on the Superstation when uh, in the in the mid eighties. But uh, sometime in the early two thousands, through tape trading, I acquired an old tape that was basically just Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express, and I wore that thing out. It was incredible. What point did you know that you had something special with Loverboy Dennis, Beautiful Bobby, Sweet Stan, and uh, and James E. Cornette? When they first hit the scene in the Mid-South area. You know, let's sit here and let me explain a little something to you. Uh, you when you had territory wrestling, uh, most of the time they were owned by the top babyface. Uh, most of the time uh, you had a booker that was in there that pushed himself instead of worried about that because he's going to make his pay. He, you know, he wants to do everything himself. Being at the opportunity of going into Miss South Wrestling, uh, we had Bill Superstar Dundee uh, that was a booker. Now, the booker, Bill Watts, at the time was retired. He didn't want to, but he didn't want his booker to wrestle for he wouldn't have to push himself. And see, being at the right place at the right time, we're all coming from Memphis. Uh, we came in first and we wrestled uh, Crusher Khrushchev and uh, Nikolai Volkov. The same thing we did in NWA, but it was Ivan. Right. Uh, you tell, you know, we come in as all American kids. Now you have to understand before we got there, you know, Bill Watts was the top baby face. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, junkyard dog. And I'm not taking nothing away from that, but you had nothing to draw the young audience. And it'd been right. like that for years. And, and when we first come in there and they seen us, they shot these videos. What do we was instantly, we was like rock stars. And now the wrestling business it's not just drawing, you know, somebody that's not related to the crowd today. We related to, we drew the younger fans. The, it, and when you do that, man, it just exploded into our business. But then when we get in there, you have to get keep it going. Then they, Bill Dundee brought the Midnight Express in with Jimmy Cornette. Now, Jimmy Cornette, just to listen to him talk, you hate his guts anyway. So, but <laughs> but when it just, it, it's just a natural uh, angle to do uh, the way Jimmy talked and stood behind the Midnight Express and, and the way they cheated and the way you did everything 
It was just natural. And uh, and not only did we, we started it out in the Mid-South area. Matter of fact, in Louisiana, uh, the people, you know, was the first to see that. Then we took that same thing and took it to NWA over in the Carolinas. And then they shot it around the world. It was, you see, it was just a new thing in our wrestling business. Man, the younger guys, it, you know, you didn't have the older guys just pushing their self, their friends. Uh, it, it, it turned into a big business. And look what it turned into these days. This is what started it all. Uh, yeah. No matter what, I don't care what anybody says. They don't understand. This is what started the trend of wrestling. This is what opened uh, Vince McMahon's eyes up to see around the world what this business can do. You know, you you, you go to Louisiana and you, you go into the buildings that they were wrestling there, and they weren't big enough to hold the fans. Uh, we went from Oklahoma City to uh, uh, Excelsior. That was a Tulsa, but I'm talking about the, the, the buildings – and I just posted one on, on Facebook and on my social media page. Listen, these buildings, the big buildings were so completely out. And that just wasn't that one time. This was every night we went to. in the same way it did when we went to the North Carolina. But see, it's not me. It's the stories that we told with yep. some of the greatest heel workers ever in this world. Now, Dennis Connors and Bobby Eaton. There was nobody in their time that could touch him. And as baby faces, you know, Robert and I, it was our time then. And uh, and you see what it brought our business to into our world. Uh, the greatest time in the world for me, I'm telling you, but when it started out. Yeah, and I, I hope the modern fan can uh, kind of appreciate just how popular you guys were. I mean, I, I kind of lived through it, you know, when I was younger, you know, reading about it in the magazines, the rock and roll express, the great American bash tour. And then, you know, you and Ric Flair was a whole separate story that was, uh, was was excellent back then. But I mean, the, the, the the level of popularity you guys brought to both yourselves and your stories, but also to tag team wrestling in general, and obviously spawned entire generation of, you know, people that really, uh, you know, look up to you guys, even leading to today, when you look at, you know, FTR in action and, and who they kind of hearken back to when, when, when they're asked. Oh, yes. And they, they sure do. I mean, that's, that's the reason they're so successful. Uh, you know, they work and I like FTR, they work together. You see, it's not me, not nowadays, the wrestling business. It's, it's just a reason it's the way it is. It's about me. And I hope you understand what I mean that. It's not about the tag team. It's not about uh, us working with them. It's not about us coming back. It's what about me? What about me? That's all. That's what hurt our business real bad uh, to me. And it still goes on that way. Uh, guys not knowing how to work together, not know, telling how to tell a story. Uh, the baby face is chasing the heels. You see, when you chase the heels, the baby faces chase the heels, the people pay to see you win, but the heel keeps screwing you every week. Right. And you see, then you, and that's what, that's the concept of our business that we got so far away from because it's like I told you earlier, everybody thinks they know everything about our business, but really they don't know nothing. And, and you always keep learning too. I mean, uh, buddy, I've been doing this forever. And every time I step in the ring, I learned something new. And see, when you open your mind up to that, it's it's a learning process. Things, don't get me wrong, it's not that you learn a whole 
but something you mentioned, wow, that worked good that way. And that's what I'm talking about in our business. And another thing in our days, we had a chance that we wrestled every night. Mm-hmm. And when you wrestle every night, you wrestle the best workers in the world. So you learn our business and our craft to a, a point that's a lot better than it is these days. Uh, especially when you do this every day and you depend on each other without a contract, you don't hurt each other. Uh, you you look after the guy you're wrestling because you're dependent on each other to make a living. You're dependent on each other to pop these territories and make a name for yourself. Uh, it, nowadays, it seems like to me that half the people really don't care if they hurt somebody or don't hurt somebody. Uh, because if they did, you wouldn't see some of this extreme stuff they do. But then you go to a park. Uh, I was watching the other day where a guy powerbombed somebody like six times straight in the ring. Okay. And it, and he didn't beat the guy. <laughs> but see, make, does it make him look good? No, I'm telling you right now, the guy that he powerbombed six times needs to be the world champion. <laughs> because you still didn't beat him. And that's the things that the concept of our business that people just don't understand. It's, you know, it's not making you look good. I heard somebody say, man, I put a guy through a table of the night. I said, really? How many times did you go through it? You see? None. Because, you know, they don't understand their business. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the aspect of, of the teams of you and, and Robert and also the Minette Express. Do you think uh, I've always wanted to ask somebody about this guy and you're the perfect person to ask about him. Do you think the fans now in hindsight understand what a true wrestling genius, beautiful Bobby Eaton was? No, they sure don't. Uh, I got a Bobby was the best in the world at his time. Uh, Bobby could tell a story and, it's so hard to, you know, it's, it's even, I, I told my son this when he broke into business, but he was with me the whole time. And my daddy told me the same thing too. He says, I'm going to sit here and explain some things to you, but I'll be better off talking that wall because you're not going to understand a damn thing I'm going to say to you, but it one day it will hit you. And then you just, it's really going to blow your mind. And that's the part of the fact that, that these guys need to know Bobby Eaton could step in the ring. You see, that's what makes a good worker. A good worker could step in the ring and have a great match with anybody. I mean, tear the house down with anybody. Nowadays, the guys have the certain guys they want to work with, a certain style they want to do with. Uh, so, I mean, it's to me, I'll, that, that work of art is gone until we get some people back in there that you teach this to the younger generation to make them understand the art of being a heel, the art of being a baby face. Uh, I, I don't know where the business is going to go until we do something like that. Yeah. Bobby Eaton was always, always a favorite of mine. And I always, always loved everything you guys. You know, yeah, go ahead. It's like a, all through the wrestling business, when you mentioned Bobby Eaton, you never hear one person, ever say a bad thing about him no. or a bad thing he done. You see, that's what made, besides that, that's what made him a great human being. Bobby was, you know, it's more to Bobby than just him being a great heel or a great, and his legacy will live on. Yeah. Bobby Eaton was just a genuine wine gift from God, buddy. He was a person, he was a man, 
and he would do anything in the world for you. And that's what made Bobby Eaton so great. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I'm glad to be able to tell people about him just because I, yes. I never had a chance to meet him. But I was, you know, you always heard the great stories about how selfless he was, giving things to people on the road and giving giving things to you know, even people he'd run into, in, you know, you know, parking oh, lots yes. and stuff he, and stuff like he that. He always so. took time for him. And yeah. That's what made Bobby so special. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I know that you have expressed some interest on uh, on on social media and on Twitter recently of of coaching of of, of like you're talking about bringing that uh, stuff to the next level. What what would Ricky Morton in 2022 bring to the table for a coaching role? Because personally, I I, I you know I understand like how good you were as and are actually <laughs> as wrestlers yeah. to this day. You <laughs> know the art of it in the ring. But w- what do you feel that is lacking the most that you could bring to a coaching uh, position? Well, I hate to repeat myself. I just said this a while ago is to make somebody, the guys and the ladies of our business is to understand what our business is. You know, we're on stage. We're, you know, and nowadays everything's in such a hurry. You know, the guys try to put a 20 minute match into five minutes. And as an, average wrestling fans sitting there watching they don't understand but i want to put this back in there where it's like dude i mean if you go to a broadway show they're not going 100 miles an hour they're up there on that stage making you understand clearly every word they're saying and in our business be clearly every move they do and to tell this story that you're trying to get over uh i like to put that back into it make these guys understand what our business is really about and I believe that that I could do it if I just had time to work with them sometimes and sit down and you go over these matches and tell them, you know, instead of doing that, won't you try it this way? Most of the time they don't want to, but just try it and let's see how it works out. Let's hear the reaction to the people. I want to give them back to understand in our business, there is baby faces and there is heels. And in natural life like that. I know people in this business that are heels. They're heels to everybody, <laughs> you know. And and if you're and when you tell that story, get these people behind it. And when you go out there, how to get the people, and how to make them stay with you, instead of losing them. Uh, I, I call it and take this right here away. This is my biggest thing that I don't like, and I call it the next the next spot face, because they're in the ring. They're not thinking about the masters. Thinking about the next move they do, and instead of when I sell, you know, I look my expressions on my face to the people. But nowadays it's like this. Because yeah. they're thinking about their next spot they want to do. But just don't do that. Just think, just take time with what we're doing right now. You can get more out of what you're doing. Uh, it's like me, dude. A guy asked me one time, Tracy's mother's asked me, so Ricky Morton, how long can you sell a punch? And selling is when he hits me. And when I'm down, I said until you come back and get me. <laughs> I can make it last that long. And that's what people, they don't understand where they're going there from there. You know, they uh, really don't even know how to act when a guy's selling for them. Because as soon as they hit you, they, I mean, watch wrestling these days. They throw you out of the ring, go on the floor and throw you back in the ring. They go, <laughs> throw you out of the ring, throw you back in the ring. What the hell? You know, uh, cover, get your opponent over. I mean, hit him with the move. Instead of hitting him with six, Power bombs, hit him with one and cover and let him kick, barely kick out. 
to get those fans going with you, going with you, going with you. Uh, this work to teach them the art of our business. It's a this is a very special business, and and, and yeah, I don't gotta tell you, man. My love for this business is is so it means so much. And if I can just make these guys understand and love my business just the way I loved it, that they would stop and understand to make it a lot better and, and, and make their matches better than just me, me, me. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm curious. I mentioned before about the interview that Ric Flair did where he mentioned you and Ricky Steamboat and Shawn Michaels being the uh, the best guys in the ring at selling <laughs> that he had been in the ring with. What, what's kind of your assessment of that? And also kind of what did you think of Ricky Steamboat and Shawn Michaels in, in, in the way that they uh, kind of are sort of doing the same thing that, you know, you're doing in terms of being a, being a baby face? Well, you know, uh, you know, I met Ricky Steamboat back in the Carolinas earlier and he probably don't even I went in to work for him and uh it's just watching what kind of impact these guys made on the business and now Sean Michaels now I knew Sean when he was a kid uh he lived you know he's from San Antonio Texas and that's where I lived at and where I worked for when I worked for Joe Blanchard and you know he come to the matches sometimes I, he was just a kid he didn't think I remembered him but I did and uh <laughs> And then it's a watch of Ricky Steamboat, how he blossomed out and not only just being Ricky Steamboat in the North Carolinas, he uh, blossomed out over the world. And, and, you know, and, and just, and that's for me being an old wrestler and looking at the U days, just you putting me in the category with Ricky Steamboat and Shawn Michaels. Well, you know, that's, as a blessing and man, you know, you still don't know what that means to me. And uh it's just uh something that I love doing, buddy. I mean I I love being a baby face in this business. And I love I want to teach somebody how to be a real baby face. Yeah. We got we gotta make this happen because <laughs> it's, it, it's it's so necessary. So I I didn't realize too and you know I've enjoyed some of the stuff that you've done uh, where where you've done some videos and interviewing people. I enjoyed uh I think you interviewed Ole Anderson years back on uh high spots and that was pretty enjoyable. But I, I was just on the on a call with uh Brian Gewertz who was uh, doing the Tales from the Territory show with Vice. And I, I did not realize yes. you you uh, were on that, I think, on the Mid-South episode coming up, too. So what, what was that experience like? Uh, well, I was there. We, it's, uh, we did it on the Crockett. Oh, you the Crockett episode. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one. one. Okay. It was me, Arn Anderson, uh, Baby Doll, and, uh, and David Crockett. And, uh, oh, God, it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a time where people, you can tell people things that they really didn't know what happened to the real end of what really happened to it. You see what I'm saying? Because Jim Crockett promotions was so big. I mean, it blossomed out there and, and you see it's the stories of really what happened. If you watch the show, you'll really know what happened and the downfalls of it. And you know, the, a lot of it, the downfalls was, you know, uh, me, 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 and then doing something that, you should have had no business doing it. If you just concentrated on what we already had and instead of trying to expand all over the world, you know, you, you could have seen and in, in trying to compete with something that you didn't need to compete with. Right. You know, we, you already had yours. 
just keep it right there. I, you know what? And it would stay in the business a lot longer. That's what we really talked about. Interesting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing that's a, that's a heck of a crew too, with uh, Arn and Crockett yes. and Baby Doll and you there too. Uh, so we're going to move on to something we call the three count. Now it's going to be three uh, relatively quick questions and your your responses. So as we said, when a wrestler is in trouble in a tag team match, builds to the big tag uh, to get out of the trouble. Some in wrestling have called that playing Ricky Morton. Uh, who who are some other wrestlers who you see who are uh, close to or on your level when it came to uh, to playing that uh, particular role in a tag team match? Okay, you talk about the man, Hardy Boys, you know, uh, Matt and Jeff were excellent in there, you know, and and then you had the the two fellows there in AEW. The look here, I'm sitting here. I got so many tag teams going through my mind, I can't even bring them up. But you know, you had FTR. Uh, uh, but the main ones is Matt and Jeff. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, you know those guys. You know, when I knew them guys when they were getting and. Just want to let people to know and let them understand that you know this business wasn't just gave, given to guys. Yep. Jesus, I started out on an independent circuit and you know and, and working these shows. I remember when Jeff he he'd come to the show he he'd be three different wrestlers sometimes you know and people wouldn't even know it. Uh, just trying to learn our business and not making no money. They wouldn't making no money then. You yeah. Know? Uh, and uh, but look what they turned into. And that's really what I appreciate in our wrestling business. You know, in our business, it don't come to you. You have to go get it. Uh, and that's what I, and I, and I tell young guys in this business today, how can we do it? I said, you, you got to keep going. I mean, I mean, you got to ask, you got to show up. You need anybody extra. You need this right here. And I said, all they can do is tell you no. Okay. Yep. But tomorrow they got to tell you no again. And then the next day it's no until finally they're going to say yes. Okay. Just come on. Just, you know, and let's, let's keep it up trying to get to that. Second question. Uh, I know you also spent some time in Memphis, both between, uh, you know, uh, your dad as a, as a wrestler and a referee, and then you as a competitor too. Do you have a favorite all time Memphis wrestling moment that you were either in or that you watched? Oh yes. Uh, you know what, man? Memphis is the greatest place as a kid, buddy. When you know when you're 23, 24 years old, Memphis was the hottest territory at that time in the country. Uh, I want you to stop to think about this right here. Now we didn't run shows once a year or twice a year, and this is in all territories. We run them every week. Now, when you go on there and you see Memphis people hanging off the rafters. And that's where I get that from. It's like that every week, every Monday night in Memphis, Louisville, Kentucky, Tuesday, Evansville, Indiana, when she had your weekly towns and they were sold out every week. And why? Because of the things they did that made it right on TV and the people were not the part. It was so much entertainment uh, going on there. The people believed in what you did. You know, I'm not sitting here trying, like I told you earlier, our business is what you put into it and get out of it. And I, I thought I was the luckiest person in the world because Jerry Jarrett gave me an opportunity there to work every night and, and to learn from. And, and you look at at that time after when the people left Memphis, they're the big stars that you've seen yep. in WWE or in the Carolinas or in the Floridas or in Louisiana. They were the big people that you've seen. They all started in Memphis. 
Memphis was the greatest place to ever be. And, you know, and I told this not long ago, uh, the greatest world champion with no, no doubt, Ric Flair. And the reason why is because Rick made sure you, if you paid to see Rick, you got your money's worth. He, he didn't go 10 minutes. He didn't go 15 minutes. If you didn't do an hour time limit with him, you went 56 minutes. In the right. And that's what I absolutely loved about Rick. And when I had the opportunity to wrestle him there, well, what a PhD I got from the just these matches with him and learning that. But the greatest worker, I think, in our business, and, you know, your opinions like you're behind, everybody's got one, uh, <laughs> is Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry I Lawler, is, I mean, dude, you just can't. can't and, I, and I, you know, I've, I've worked the first matches, and you can't leave to the matches over. And I used to sit back and just watch a work of art as he went to how he told a story in a match and it was the damnedest thing i've ever seen and this was something different every night they didn't do the same matches you know because you might have see because we're really worried about a business you might have one fan you know they come in and okay man it's a fan out there it was in memphis last night and we're in louisville the next night they changed the whole program you see what I'm talking about? Our business was so sacred, and we thought about it uh, and, and learning that from Memphis. You know, and years ago, you didn't have people in the dressing room that wasn't wrestlers, nobody. You right. wasn't on that show. You wasn't in that dressing room. And and, the, and then the Hills didn't dress together, and the baby faces didn't dress. They were on the other side of the building, you see, and you didn't get your finishes until you got in the rink. And, and it wasn't, you got to do this right here. Most of the time, the referee will look at you at this and do, you know, do that or <laughs> yeah. that's it. It was a real commitment for sure. Yes. Uh, and the final question on the three count, other than Robert Gibson and your son, who do you think you made the best tag team combination with outside of those two guys? Oh, there's Ken Lucas. No, Ken doubt. Lucas. Tell me, tell me more about Ken Lucas because he's not somebody I'm Ken, terribly Ken familiar with. Ken Lucas was a guy that, you know, made his, he made his uh, down in the – Pensacola area with the Field Brothers and, and with uh, Robert and Ron Fuller. He, you know, he was over. He was uh, a good-looking guy with a good body on him. But he was he had that. If you watch me wrestle, I do this a lot. I, I, I copied all that from Ken Lucas uh, as to watching him. But see, me going to San Antonio, Texas, with him, riding with him every day working every night being his partner the work of art that he showed me about tag team wrestling is you know it's how they get the heat on me and what i'm talking about i'm selling and and give that tag to him and see that worked into the part of me doing the same thing but on a much bigger stage and when i give robert gibson that tag and the roof come off that building See, that's what Ken Lucas taught me. Uh, and you can't learn that. You can't learn that just by going to a wrestling school. Uh, even learning to work, I, I, I tried to tell guys, Kenny told me this right here too, he says, I can't teach you to work. You got to teach yourself. Right. But you have to be in a ring with good workers. And, and then you can teach yourself how to be great. And like I say about my son too, you know, Kerry James is not me. I want him to be him. I don't want him to be me. 
I don't want him to go out with the mullet. I don't, I want you to be who you are because in, in real life and everybody, and, and I tell some of the boys, this, well, see, I don't care who you are and what you do. Understand that just as long as you be yourself. See, if you be yourself, it don't matter who you are, what you do. People will love you. Just be you. And that's what I'm trying to teach Carrie James is, is to be you. You know, we got this big show coming up in uh, Charmette, Louisiana for NWA, a pay-per-view. And as Carrie's wrestling for the junior heavyweight title, gets homicide. You see, it's a lot of questions asked a lot right here. And, and I know, but see, I have to take, and I'm trying to let Carrie know I'm, I'm going to have to take him off that leash. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I don't want to be him, me with me leading him around everywhere. I want him to go out to be him. Make a name for yourself. Because, you know, and I don't know if you watch NWA. I think it's, to me it's it, it really I mean, it's in my heart when I go there to the, the, the people that I work for, the people that I work with. I mean, they put everything they got into it because you know why? We're somebody that's, that nobody else is thinking about. But when you watch our product, it's really mind blowing as to watch how we put that in. That's and that's the part with everybody working together. But I want Kerry to be him. I want him to walk out there and uh, I can't help it because he's got my last name. You hear me? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but understand that yeah, he's Ricky Morton's son. But don't think for one minute that he don't deserve where he's at because I don't have that kind of pull. He yep. works hard. He's been in that with me, excuse me, <clears throat> since he's six years old, going to the ring with me, dressing like me. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. But I, I, it's the greatest thing in the world is just to watch him turn into him. And it's going to be a, a good thing when it when it's really happens. All right. So uh, NWA Power and NWA USA, you can catch weekly on uh, on YouTube and on Fight. And they have the upcoming Hard Times uh, pay-per-view in November in New Orleans. Ricky Morton, it was an honor to sit here with you and chat today. I really, really appreciate the time. Hey, man, thank you very much. You know, sometimes, uh, unless it's rehearsed, you know, you ask questions and things pop into your mind and things don't. And then you think about something when I'm talking and I jump from limb to limb. But I'm trying to get everything in. No, it's a pleasure to be with you. I I love talking wrestling. And uh, I just want to tell everybody the pay-per-view that's on Fight TV, NWA. It's uh, Hard Times 3. I'm looking forward to doing it and looking forward to seeing all you fans. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Ricky Morton for joining me today. I'd also like to thank Mark Kruskal for his assistance. Boy, do I love doing this show. Uh, have a great week, everyone.